0: Welcome, welcome to episode 15 of Songs You Should Know, featuring the music of the pioneers of punk. I'm Jimbo. And I'm the Mixter. Well, he remembers. Okay, good. We're coming to you from Songs <laughs> yeah. You Should Know. <laughs> We're coming to you from the world, gosh. the world headquarters located in a secret bunker in central Minnesota. And from our satellite office in Branson, Missouri. We can't tell you exactly where the world headquarters is located in central Minnesota for security reasons, namely for the price, (laughs) namely for the protection of our priceless vault. See, I'm going to have to cut this out or just keep it in. Who cares? Namely for the protection of our priceless vault of classic music, which now the, the vault, by the way, has been decorated for Christmas and there's been a lounge installed. Um, big screen TV, great sound system. So you've got to come up here sometime. You'll um, have to. Or down there, down <laughs> there, the vault, down. Down to the vault, up to Minnesota, okay. down to the vault. <laughs> we're, we're not going to tell you. <laughs> but I can tell you one thing I can tell you that you can, see, you can see Lake Wobegon from here. <laughs> Now you see that was high school for me. That was. This is right in your wheelhouse. (laughs) This is. This is uh, right when I was just getting so much into stuff. And uh, I have to say that I graduated in 1981, and um, I did. This is a long story here, but we ended up going <laughs> to to a we ended up going to a pretty small school. Our our dad was in the Air Force. We traveled a lot. We went to a lot of different places. But for high school, ended up at at a pretty a very small school. I graduated with a class of twenty four. I don't know how big your class was, but uh, twenty one. <clears throat> well, there we go. Okay, so here comes this guy out of nowhere. I came in as a junior in high school, and. Um, I st- I started a punk band out in the middle of North Dakota with a class of twenty-four and um, put up signs saying the clash of eighty one. So we were the clash. I, I of remember 81. that.
1: But, but <laughs> let's but let's name the band because it was it was in that era, so you're well, you kinda have to. It, you know what I'm saying, right? Go ahead.
0: So the band the band was called the Galactic Love Trucks. No, Galactic Love Trucks. The Galactic, yes, the Galactic Love Trucks. Or the yeah, it could it could have been, or the GLTs, GLTs. Yeah. So, (laughs) and that's an entire that's an entirely different story. It is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a different episode.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What are your memories of? punk i mean because you were you know a couple of years behind me in school yeah years. i was I yeah i
1: was pretty young so my memories of, of punk are the albums that you had i remember that you brought home my my first memory of punk would be uh uh road to ruin mm-hmm. uh, by the ramones yep. because you had that and then uh you know as i got older london calling i got into the pistols kind of afterwards but uh I just thought, you know, that's, that's it. I mean, because they, they stood for something and you remember, like you said, you, you graduated in 81, the times that we were going through very revolutionary in America, but also over, you know, seas, hence, hence the Sex Pistols and
0: oh yeah no it was it was a very interesting time and and um so because it came at that time in my life for me rock and roll has always meant rock and roll I mean it's been like they were sort of defying the whole disco era and stuff moving into you know dance-based music which is cool I've, I've come back to appreciate that but but they were, you know, just very raw, and you don't even have to know how to play; you have to know how to say something, and uh, <laughs> that really, true, that that really got me right there, man. All right. So that said, there's <laughs> the Ramones. <laughs> that's probably the most words that uh most people know to that song <laughs> hey oh let's go <laughs> that's it but you know it was it was their it was their first single which I didn't know you know and their first song on the first album okay so that's how that's how the ramones blasted onto the scene in 1976 early 1976 and people everywhere now will go, oh yeah, the sports song, the thing they play at the stadium. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. these were these these were guys from New York sniffing glue. Okay,
1: we have probably never been to a New York Yankees game, right? But the Yankees, I mean, no. you you ask any Yankee fan,
0: they know that song. Oh, absolutely. It's like, you know, it was just, it is so amazing to me how everything that we as parents now, or that our parents saw, or that our grandparents saw as dangerous, suddenly turns into the next generation's commercials.
1: (laughs) Well, (laughs) good point.
0: (laughs) You know, Elvis was dangerous. You know, That's the right. Ramones were the Romans were dangerous. Except now, now they're not so dangerous because you know right. they're not dangerous anymore. Well, and the Rolling
1: <laughs> the Rolling Stones were dangerous, and Apple paid they,
0: Stones the Beatles. Yeah. Oh my God! You
1: know, and Apple paid them what two point two million, and they said, "You can you start me up for whatever it was Windows, probably." <laughs> what? Or, 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 well, yeah, well it uh, was Windows, Microsoft. Microsoft. Sorry. Yep,
0: yeah. yep. yep. So. Yep. Alright, so yes, like I said, it was the first single ever released <laughs> by the Ramones. and It's probably the one that most people can quote, you know, that would recognize. Oh yeah, it's the Ramones. Tell me about the musicians a little bit. Well, here we go. Joey Ramone,
1: who was a uh, real name is Jeffrey Hyman on vocals. Dee Dee Ramone, who was Douglas Colvin, is on bass. Johnny Ramone, who was John Cummings, is on guitar. And Tommy Ramone, uh, is, is on drums and I haven't scrolled down, but I'll just get into this right now. Unfortunately, three of those four are not with us anymore. That uh,
0: well, uh, that well, actually,
1: sense. all four <laughs> all, all all four of the originals are are gone now. Well, Tommy, so oh, Marky, I'm sorry. So met the that's right.
0: Marky's is the one that's on drums right now. That right? They um so. Joey passed away. Dee, Dee passed away. Johnny passed away. Tommy was on the first album, maybe a couple more, and then left, they right? went through like they went they they went like <clears throat> through three or three or four drummers. Right. And I've I've got an interesting drummer trivia thing coming up later. But I, <laughs> I won't talk about that right now, but um, <clears throat> but uh, so, but all four of those. And that's something that I was going to mention later, too. But all four of those guys have passed away. So Tommy passed away, too? Golly. Yep.
1: Yeah. So. Well, <laughs> well I'll let you mention that later because maybe you'll get into this. Because uh, three of those lived in the same neighborhood. So they were trying to think that there may have been something. And they, I believe three of them had cancer.
0: So Yeah, no. It was, um, there is, you know... Definitely something interesting about the fact yeah. that these guys that knew each other so well all succumbed fairly early in their lives
1: to different forms you of know, cancer, cancer.
0: which is weird, right? Mm-hmm. So, and so when the song was released, where, where, where did it chart? Mick? <laughs> where did it chart? when I throw a dart? It went nowhere, <laughs> it, went nowhere. it went nowhere. Nobody, it went nowhere. nobody knew this song it, it, it didn't go any place time
1: in 1976 yes yeah, like eh. <laughs> yep it, it's like oh gosh no we don't But need this. yet and and, uh, <laughs> and yet going it ranks it. 92nd in Rolling Stones magazine uh 500 greatest hits or 500 greatest songs of all time
0: which I agree with that <laughs> so, I mean, I, so 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 we're in the top 100 time. yeah the out of nowhere <laughs> where'd it come from yeah. nowhere. So you know the song Blitzkrieg Bop. It's named after the German World War II tactic, which they called the Blitzkrieg, lightning war. And um, <laughs> but the Ramones weren't. How do I put this delic- delicately? They weren't smart enough to actually <laughs> have a political view on this. They were just using words and 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 symbols and stuff. So <laughs> so to. Tommy basically started it and then DD came up with the title, which they originally called the animal hop, which is now blitzkrieg bop. And, uh, DD also changed one line. The original third verse had the line shouting in the back now. And DD changed it to shoot him in the back now, which, um, you can actually hear DD sing on the song. So they mm. sort of traded off on vocals here and there, but, um, so, a lot of the Ramones' early compositions, you knew exactly what they were about. Like, now I want to sniff some glue. <laughs> yeah. Susie's <Okay>. a headbanger. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you you knew what they were about. Blitzkrieg Bop. Nobody knew what that was about. True. <laughs> and and Tommy Ramone, he, he talked about the chant. You know. Um he said he he came up with a chant walking home from the grocery store, carrying a bag of groceries. And it was based on the line, high hose nipped her toes from the song, walking the dog by Rufus Thomas. Now everybody has covered walking the yeah. dog. I mean, anybody that has a blues background,
1: Errol but Smith. yes.
0: So, uh, yeah. high hose, high hose nipped her toes became <laughs> high. ho, let's go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which I think is awesome. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, um, there is a band called Blitzkrieg Bop. Have you ever heard of them? No, I don't believe so. No, I I haven't even either. But uh, I was just like you know, somebody was inspired to to create a band based around the same the same name. Have you ever worked with anybody that covered the song? Um. Uh, when I was in,
1: when I ran sound for, uh, Dozer covered it and there's, it's weird because it'll, with that song, because of the sports chant, but actually I think Dozer did it and people would go into parts of it and then go into something else, but yes.
0: Oh, sure. Sure. But I mean, even Rob Zombie did it. The Clash covered it. And then uh Green Day would they covered it a couple of times, but they also would play it quite often in the soundtrack before their shows. Oh, so that was like their soundtrack. So chat. whatever was playing through the loud loudspeakers. Yeah, so that that would that was often a, a Green Day thing. Yeah, right? actually. So uh
1: Tyler my Go ahead. Tyler, my son's first uh probably a uh, reference of <coughs> excuse me, of um the song is from Rob Zombie because, and he just—he was like about three. <clears throat> I can tell us now because he's eighteen now. <laughs> but he's, he's sitting back there, hey <laughs> ho, oh, let's go, and he would do it just like Rob Zombie. <laughs> and I'm like, that's impressive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so I mean, that's that's where he knows. So you know, uh, uh, So Right, and now nowadays, anybody of any age knows it from sports games and stuff. Yeah, but, uh, I don't. I don't know if you remember this band, but Dee Dee actually got, you know, some of the inspiration for the chant came from the opening of the Bay City Rollers <laughs> Saturday night, which I
1: find f- funny, amusing, <laughs> and disturbing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember that. Yes. Well, <laughs> here's a quick. There was there was a sweet there was a sweet period where they were kind of well, cool, you know. But but here's very, very short, short. But here's
1: what's sweeter. I'll make this quick. And we have to cut it out. We we do. We were in. So it'd be like 1976, 1977. We were in Omaha, Nebraska, and the Bay City Rollers played the Omaha Civic Center, and I remember this because of of a uh, newspaper article. There was 576 people at that show.
0: <laughs> oh, my
1: God. Now remember, I was a huge Kiss fan at that time, so I thought that was rather relevant. So, Oh, my golly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the first three rows were just jam-packed. So. And then, yes, and then there was not much after that. So, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so uh, so, Dee, Dee got some help from Tommy, and uh, and Tommy was the drummer at the time. And he said, "I wanted a rallying song," and so that song ended up being played at basically every Ramones concert for twenty two wow. straight years. And of course, you hear an advert advertising and at sports centers and everything. I mean, it's just it's just played all the time. Now they originally played it at a very fast tempo and somebody measured it and said it's 177 beats per minute your heart generally beats you know 60 80 100 beats per minute so it's pretty pretty revved up and um as they played the song live they would play it faster and faster and faster and the ramones were famous for songs that only clocked in at you know 2 minutes yep so so at their final show, they played the song at well above two hundred beats per minute. So I mean, it's yeah, just that's, like. That's <laughs> <pretty quick.
1: laughs>
0: I don't know if you if you ever ever heard any live recordings of the Ramones. It's just frantic. No. It's just like we're going to play this thing as fast as we can to get to the next one.
1: But it's real. <laughs> we're going to play that one as
0: fast as we can. Oh no! I mean, it's just like bam—they're just going through them and they're just playing them like like at an insane speed. So here's my, my piece of drum trivia was that for one year in 87, they went through a number of different drummers, of course, but uh, they had somebody called Elvis Ramon (laughs) on drums for one year. We love. (laughs) And that was Clem Burke. That was Clem Burke. And Clem is the, the drummer. The drummer for Blondie, and always has been the drummer for Blondie. Yeah, and he's has been So Clem best, Burke actually, actually was, he was, a, and he was a Ramon for a year. Which I didn't know. And I did not know that yeah. until, we, <laughs> until yeah. we researched this. <laughs> and we talked about
1: Clem because uh, Clem will play Tom's, mm-hmm. a Tom roll or fill all the way through any song, any song. So, and he's
0: just. Yeah, no, and he was, he was, he reminds me a little bit of, um, Keith Moon from the Who where yeah. if there's a drum there I have to be using it all the time and must play it and it had, yes and uh, just con- constantly rolling through you know things rolls, and, yeah. and uh, yeah Clem Burke was um what is the song dreaming yep from Blondie As we talked about yep. that is just nothing it's just constant mm. rolls going through there and it's just amazing to me that he does that yeah. but I have to tell you okay so you mentioned um Um, Road to Ruin Mm -hmm. earlier and that contains of course the one song that I really first tied into the Ramones with and that Joey actually cited as his favorite Ramones song of all time So that was, that was my introduction to the Ramones right there. (laughs) Yes. uh, But I love that song. So Joey, (laughs) Joey. Oh, I do too. And Joey loved it, you know, most of all. And um, in 1977, they were on tour and he burned his face and chest with scalding water from a vaporizer he was using to soothe his throat. So, I mean, in order to try to sing what he sang, <laughs> he was trying to soothe his, his throat. And um, so a bunch of shows were canceled while he recovered. And when they returned to the road in Europe, he was still in constant pain. And so, I Want to Be Sedated, he wrote down in London around Christmas time of that year. And then the band cut it for their Road to Ruin album, which came out in 78. But uh It did again. It didn't make any input impact on the charts, (laughs) (laughs) but it, but it, but it certainly turned me onto the Ramones, and it was Joey's favorite song. Mm -hmm. So it's like, my gosh! By two thousand fourteen, you know, so within the last few years, um, all four of the the original members had passed away. Um,
1: Yeah, that's just,
0: which is, which is wild. You know, I mean, it's very punk, but. It's very wild. So It's very punk
1: and like I said, remember how uh, you know, and I, I'm not a uh, a uh, conspiracy theorist <laughs> but, but because they had grown up together and they were looking at because Johnny had died of cancer, uh, Joey had died of cancer, D.D. was an overdose. Tommy may a big cancer too and they all lived w- within like a couple blocks of each other they were trying to look, you know, to, to see if there was some sort of you know, sure. connection with, uh, you know, water or <laughs> whatever they were doing because they—I believe the, the, those three all lived within a couple blocks of each other growing up.
0: But, right there, you go. And on that down, yeah. on that on that down, on that downbeat note, yes, <laughs> we're we're going to take a short breather here. Yay. <laughs> Of all the punk bands, the Sex Pistols were the punkest, the Godfatherest. I mean, they. they, Yeah. Well, they weren't. They weren't the originals. They. They sort of were a manufactured band, like the Monkees were a manufactured band. So Malcolm McLaren sort of put together a band meant to really piss everybody off. Good job, and they succeeded. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well done, yeah. mate. Well done. well done, mate. Thank Thumbs you. Thumbs up. <laughs> and I, I got into, I, 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 got into them, you know, after the fact. But uh, No, after the fact, boy, I remember. <coughs>
1: excuse me. After the
0: fact, like
1: in, because I'm trying to remember. You, you graduated in '81 in high school.
0: Mm-hmm. Were you still? I don't remember any Sex Pistols laying around. No, I literally after the fact I went back and and yeah. got some Sex Pistols right. stuff and because I started to you know research more of the history of punk and what was going on, but sure that was a few years later, you know. But uh, <laughs> so they released it as their debut single in seventy six, late seventy six, yeah. wow. and it, it took it took them actually a couple of years. Before they released their debut album, one of of their only albums, (laughs) never mind the Bullocks, here's the Sex Pistols, because of all kinds of legal entanglements and people that would drop them as management and they got kicked off of one label and moved to another and nobody would work with them. And uh, they basically made their living by getting publicity by doing outrageous things all over the place. And so a couple of years later, it was actually a couple of years after Anarchy in the UK came out that they they actually released Nevermind the Bullocks, but there were times where their first couple of singles charted, you know, on the UK charts, but they had been banned by the BBC. So there would be a blank space next to the number two single this this week. Wow. A blank space next to to the number five single for this week. So they've been banned. We're not going to mention them. That's cool. (laughs) I'll take that. They still—that's very punk. It's very punk. Screw you! They they still are represented, right? They're still represented on the chart, but nobody can mention them. It's like, well, why even have that space there? So it's like, it's like, yes, we're still putting it to you. You know, you can't, you can't deny us. (laughs) <laughs> all right talk about who the members well there the were actually were.
1: five pistols uh original pistols so, so johnny rotten is lead vocals steve jones electric guitar and backing vocals and, and steve uh, is still huge in the in- industry and has uh been a great producer and
0: stuff uh glenn uh, i think he's i think he was a very underrated guitar player when you go back and look at stuff it's like Punk was about, we don't know how to play our instruments, he but did. Steve Jones a- knew how Absolutely. to play his instrument. <laughs> yeah, he was, he may have been the decoy in that band,
1: you know? Yep. yep. Because, and, and still just a, a great exactly. producer and just a great player too, like I said. Uh, Glenn Matlock, bass and backing vocals. Uh, Sid Vicious joined in 77 and helped me on this. Sid was the bass player, so I think it's Steve or, uh, Glenn
0: must have left or Sid was the bass player, right? When he joined. Yeah. Well, well, there were all kinds of political infighting going on. Some of it led by John Lydon, who's Johnny rotten. What? And, um, (laughs) (laughs) it really wasn't his birth name. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, um, there were these political face-offs against different members of the band. And, uh, I think basically they forced Glenn out and then Sid, who had never played bass and didn't know how to play bass, but was a big Sex Pistols fan. He was brought in. Wow. And, and, and and then boy, things went downhill really quickly for the pistols. But, uh, and then if you ever seen the movie, Sid and Nancy, of course. And then uh, uh, Paul Cook, uh,
1: play drums, so. But like we said, I mean, for that time period, they they were the epitome. Not maybe the Godfathers, but to me, they they were punk. They were the rebellion in England at that time.
0: In sure, and then uh, so, <laughs> like I had alluded to, you know the well. You know, the single single didn't show up in the charts, but...
1: Uh, no, but Anarchy in the UK is number 56 in Rolling Stone magazine's list of 500 greatest songs of all time. <laughs> it didn't chart. Yeah,
0: go but it's 56 figure. all time, which... There you go. So... Well, it ranks higher than the Ramones. Right. Okay, so, <laughs> well, <laughs> it's like it it made an, it made an impact. Yeah, I mean, it, it,
1: you know, I think that was an anthem at that time for you know the punks and the people were rebelling at that time. So, I mean, I
0: they connected with it at least later they did. But. You know, and originally the song was only released with a black sleeve on it, so. Uh, you actually didn't know who the band was, but you just knew it was it was the song with the black sleeve on it, and um, it's the only Sex Pistols recording released on EMI. Hmm. It reached number th- it reached number thirty eight on the UK. Well, EMI <laughs> dropped them really quickly. Shocker! Yeah. but it it reached number thirty eight on the UK singles chart, and then EMI dropped the group. On the sixth of January, nineteen seventy, because
1: they were swearing a month after
0: <laughs> a month after the band members were they were swearing on a live TV show, and you know you go back and you look at it, and it's just like they're just punking you. They are just they're on there yeah. to absolutely it was on purpose, just right. be just be silly, you know, it was so, on purpose. Yeah. But uh, so you know who covered this song? Uh, well.
1: Be, be, I I mean I do because I've done Motley Crue a couple times and so kids actually think that Motley Crue's done this, but I'm sure there's other bands. But, but. oh
0: yeah, well and Motley Cr- Motley Crue changed the the words and stuff, but they you know did. earlier 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 Megadeth co- covered it, really? and um, Dave Dave Mustaine couldn't understand the words so he, he made up the parts he couldn't understand. Good man. Let's, let's
1: change him. Blink <laughs> and <of> Limey! <laughs>
0: The thing about every cover of Anarchy in the UK is that it sounds like the Sex Pistols.
1: I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's like... <laughs> there's, so, so what little spin have you put, you know, on your own?
0: there's 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 basically only one way to do the song it would be like covering the Ramones well it sounds like the Ramones okay (laughs) when Rob Zombie did it I'm like sounds like the Ramones yeah I went I went through a few versions going you know like the Motley Crue one and the Megadeth one and it's like they all sound the same. Yeah. They all they they you know they could be interchangeable for yeah. the Sex Pistols because it's like they have broken things down to just the core, and it's like well, there's nothing else you can do from here. It sounds like well, yeah, it I sounds. Mean, it's the and, you know uh, it's the same <laughs> uh, time structure,
1: and it's the same. I mean, it's 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 the same tempo almost. It's like <laughs> here we go.
0: <laughs> what I always get a kick out of is that. Okay, so the the first line is "I am an antichrist," and the second line, Johnny Lydon, John Lydon, Johnny Rotten is trying to come up with a trying to come up with a, a rhyme, and he goes, "So I am an anarchist." <laughs> He's just trying to rhyme, you know.
1: <laughs> yes. Look, These are punks. Okay?
0: They came from the streets of London, and in. <laughs> In 2012, he, he was on an interview and he said, well, I'm not an anarchist at all. I was just trying to rhyme something. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a pretty bizarre dude. To, to start with, right? yeah. But he's like, no. <laughs> he's like, no, I just, I was just trying to rhyme something. So. <laughs> and so uh, Motley Crue, of course, they co- recorded it in 1991. They covered it in, in concert quite a few times. And they made changes to the lyrics to make it sound like you know the U.S. instead of the, right. the U.K. But uh, well, and so uh, p- well, <laughs> go ahead. You know,
1: because here again, because ninety one, remember that's right when the uh, wall and all this was coming down, and so ninety one is when all the rock guys decided it'd be a great idea to go over to Russia and you know, all these places and, and, and have all these shows. So I mean, you know, whoever band management or whatever that's a great idea, you know? So it's like, let's rekindle that, that UK <laughs> uh, push. Right, <laughs> right? yes! But that's my two cents.
0: <laughs> so a couple, couple of pieces of trivia on this one. Um, so the line, I use the enemy. So the word enemy. Um, John Lydon said it was actually N-M-E. E, which was his code for New Music, New Musical Express, which was like Rolling Stone magazine but in UK. Okay, so it's it's their music magazine, and um, because the Sex Pistols were totally about manipulating the media, um, NME sort of rose to the bait, and they said in their review of this song that Johnny Rotten sings flat. The song is laughably naive, and the overall feeling is of a third-rate who imitation. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, so Johnny Rotten's response was, I use the enemy, I use the NME. <laughs> and yes, the song, for those of you who are in the know, does appear on Guitar Hero 3. There you go. The punksters <laughs> win again. <laughs> Ha, 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 London Calling from the Clash I'll, I'll tell you what, my introduction to the Clash Was actually A cassette tape that I had Of their It was a collection of their singles From the UK before they, they Came to the US And uh, Clash City Rockers hmm. was my first Song And you know what, And I didn't dig that up from the vault I didn't go down there and get it And I, I remember that Makes hmm. That makes me sad. Yeah. And it was very. It starts out with a, a very raucous guitar line. I mean, just full thrash chords. And, um, do you, did you ever have a Mr. Weeberg as a teacher in Oh, yes. Mayville? Dennis yeah, Weeberg, Okay. Or at uh, Yep. Midway. <laughs> yep. At Midway. And, um, he, uh, I loved him, great teacher. Loved, I mean, I had a fun time in his class. But uh, I do remember I had a cassette player, and that there was a there was a fair bit of roll time before that song would play if you pushed play on the cassette. And so I do remember one time where we were all doing very silent work at our desks, and i had I had put <laughs> my I had put my boombox under his desk, and pressed play. And asked him a question, went back and sat down, and then all of a sudden, this loud bump, <laughs> bottom, bump, bottom, and he jumped up nice. and and his hair—I mean, always stood on end anyway—but the, the yeah. guy was just like freaking out, looking around the room. Where is that coming from? And uh, you know, I was an A student, of course, so he would never suspect me. But uh, he's looking all around. I walked up there and I shut it off, and I went back and sat down. And he's like <laughs> And I had to own up to it, really. you know. It's like I'm sorry, man, I just you probably, <laughs> you probably got Ray Coda or, or Roland D in trouble for that
1: one. <laughs> hey. You know what? You're past your past.
0: <laughs> so yes, I I you know I, uh. that's I, I've never I heard used that my, story. So. I use my position as, you know, the least likely suspect to do the most unlikely thing. <laughs> That's funny. And I still remember that. Just the look of surprise on his face and him standing up and walking around the room and not realizing it's coming from a boombox right under your desk. Right. Well it was like right it was like right at his feet.
1: Well, <laughs> And to give the fans a full appreciation his hair always did stand on and but he also walked like the penguin so if, if
0: you get that kind of sense in your mind he was saying, he would he was he was a he was a beautiful man we're not making fun of no, him no, now no, I'm but just at, saying the, at the at the at the time as students we thought man what you you're you're just, you're just sort of this cartoon character and,
1: and yeah that. he just walked like a penguin sometimes that that happened yep, yeah
0: yeah yep. no well i Nobody will say nice things about I how I walk. But, uh. No, no, they call me Mister. <laughs> they call me Mister Magoo. All bets are off. So, <laughs> so anyway, London calling. Getting back yeah. to that.
1: Back to, our,
0: back to the show, <laughs> which is now considered a classic album. It was a double album in nineteen seventy
1: nine, which is strange, and
0: to me, right. Well, and it is, and actually, the the record company was like, "Well, no, we don't actually want you to do a double album." So the Clash were like, "Well, how about if we do an album and include a single with it?" And the record company signed off on that. Well, then the Clash recorded a twelve inch single played at thirty three and a third RPMs that had eight songs on it. See, I didn't know that. Which, which, which basically was the second album. (laughs) So it was effectively a double album, but they had, they'd sort of tricked their way into being able to do that, you know, but, uh, which is a classic story too. But, um, and it, it became one of the great classic albums of all time, you know? So I guess the record company can't complain too much about it, but, uh, yeah, they, they put one over. And um, so the song was written by Joe Strummer and Mick Jones. And back in World War II, when the BBC World Service would come on, they would say, this is London calling. And so that was, that was their broadcast intro. And so Joe Strummer was a very big addict of the news and watching and listening to news all the time. And he basically absorbed a whole lot of headlines that were coming out and then regurgitated them onto the page and started it with London Calling and with the news, you know? Yeah, that's, that's freaking great. So like you said,
1: <clears throat> so the clash on, uh, on this uh, arrangement is Joe Strummer's on lead vocals and rhythm guitar. Mick Jones is on backing vocals and lead guitars. And it's Paul uh, Simonon, right? Or
0: yeah, I have no idea if it's Simonon or yeah. Simonon. Uh,
1: yeah. He's uh, ba- uh, backing vocals and bass guitar, and then Topper Heaton was on drums, which maybe we'll go into later because I think punk bands just had a hard time keeping drummers, right? Because Topper was in and out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. The, well, the the original drummer was what Tori Chimes. Okay, and then Topper was only there for a couple
0: albums right and then he was gone yeah all right right well and then even mick jones got let go and stuff so i mean it came down to joe strummer's band and then joe passed away um so it was it was a wild time so it was the only single in the uk from the album really london calling was and it reached number 11 in the charts now there were so many good songs on that entire album. If you listen through that whole thing, but it was the only single released in the UK and it charted at number 11 in the UK and it was their highest charting single until should I stay or should I go, which probably everybody knows because it's a simple, simple, straightforward song, but, but there was one song added very late and it didn't even make the, um, it didn't make it in time to be printed on the label.
1: Yeah. So it was called like the no song. So, right?
0: so <laughs> yeah. So, it, so it was like this extra song that people, people would go, Oh, the album's done. And then all of a sudden another song would come on. And that actually got released as a single and it reached number 23 in the U S and it became the Clash's mainstream introduction to U S audience. Train, train in vain. Mm-hmm. So that was really a lot of the U.S. audience's first real introduction to the Clash, you know. Even though most of their body of work had been done yeah. before that, and and uh, so "Train in Vain" was like this hidden gem, and that's actually sung by Mick Jones and was written by Mick Jones, who had a more pop sensibility to him than, than of angry. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't quite as angry as Joe was, but so. Right, exactly. So, um so when we get back to London calling the lyrics, you know, Joe Strummer was, man, we had a nuclear incident at Three Mile Island. And Joe Strummer, like I said, was just a total addict to the news. And he's like, we're about. We're struggling, about to slip down a slope or something, grasping with our fingernails, and there's no one there to help us. And so it's pretty much a song about the apocalypse, you know. There's many, many ways the world could end, including the coming of an ice age, starvation, war. And the song really encapsulates all that. And the band, (laughs) unfortunately, at the same time, was really highly in debt. I mean, they were very influential, awesome, you know, icons of the punk movement. But they had a huge debt. They had no manager and they were arguing with their label about whether London Calling should be a single or a double album. And um they've got lines on there now, "Don't look at us, phony Beatlemania has bitten the dust." So it's like the, the the labels assume that The Clash or somebody like them would be the next Beatles, right. you know, the next big thing. But, you know, Joe Strummer referred to it as phony Beatle- Beatlemania. But, um, and they recorded it in a former church. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> they, record, <laughs> they, re, they recorded the entire album in a former church. And uh, it was also used by the Sex Pistols and the Pretenders, who we should do a show about sometime. Absolutely. Because that's an aw- awesome band. But, uh, um, so anyway.
1: The influence. Uh, so there's uh, soundtracks, covers, and quotes and other songs. So The Clash turned down a request from uh, the British uh, Telecom to use a song for an advertising campaign in the early 1990s. In 2002, the band incurred criticism when they sold the rights to Jaguar for a car advertisement. Uh, In an interview on his website, Strummer explained the reasons for the deal. Yeah, I agree with that. We get hundreds of requests for that and turn them down. But I just thought, Jaguar, yeah. If you're in a group and you're going to make it together, then everybody deserves something, especially 20-odd years after the fact. And then, uh, (laughs) so yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll sell out right. for a Jaguar. Not to just anybody, <laughs> but Jaguar? Yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. And then I think you you had told me this, or maybe you had even uh, witnessed this, is that the song was performed live twice by Bob Dylan during his November uh, 2005 residency at, at London's uh, Brixton Academy. A venue also linked with, of course, Mini Classic
0: Clash and Joe Strummer Concerts. So you know, and I went, I went down and I set this mm-hmm. aside down in the vaults and I didn't, I didn't pull but, it up uh, for the show. I, I, I do. It was, it was the, the audio is very difficult to hear because it's from, you know, somebody in the audience trying to record it. So it was, it was not good for presentation on a podcast, but yes, there are, there are a couple of uh, links on the internet where you can find um, Bob Dylan Uh, Singing London Calling Yeah how cool is that (laughs) You know it's like If
1: Bob digs it It must be okay So
0: So, um, Yeah I live down by the river Mm -hmm. Remember that line from the song so there used to be – well, I mean, there's a saying in England that if the Thames, the river, ever floods, then all of London would be underwater. And uh, Joe Strummer lived in a high-rise apartment, so he probably would have survived the flood. But but the whole idea was that, you know, that's another one of the apocalyptic scenarios is that, you know, the London would be totally flooded. So anyway – We're going to take a short break, but this one goes out to The Clash of 81. It's time for some trivia. Yeah. So part of the show Part of the show where I get to totally surprise Mick with something he has no idea. No idea. About. Okay, you have nothing no idea what's coming up. So this is a punk rock trivia quiz. Ooh. But it's not necessarily related to the bands that we were just talking about. So Aha. It, it Bonus could be, point it, it, is it what could you're be. saying. It could be from this time, it could be from after this time. So I'm just saying. So you're saying there's a free cruise involved.
1: <laughs> I got it.
0: All right. You ready? I'm ready. See, a lot of these things, these a lot of these are things that ah. I know, but I look back and I go, well, you're younger than me. You might not know these guys. That's true. I'm ready. All right. The founding members of the New York band television. Ooh. Were and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to give you four choices you go, here. You go for the juggler right away, huh? No, I'm, oh. I remember reading about these guys in Rolling Stone all the time. So okay, I'm ready. All right, so the founding members. I'm going to give you four four uh, couples here: Richard Hell and Tom Verlaine. Okay. So you heard that, Richard Hell and Tom Verlaine? Okay. Greg Jin and Chuck Dukowski. Darby Crash and Pat Smear, or Rat Scabies and Dave with What's the fourth one again? <clears throat> Rat Rat Scabies and Dave Vanian No, I'm going to go with the third one. <clears throat> Darby Crash and Pat Smear. Actually, it was it was the first one. Richard Hell and Tom Verlaine. I, Tom Verlaine. I just remember seeing his name all the time come up. Oh.
1: But, uh, okay.
0: Okay. Number two, what member of the, Cl- you know, if you get five of these out of 10, I'll consider it a, a success. Okay. <laughs> so you're looking for five. Okay. you, you have Hopefully the sponsors <laughs> will too. Do. You I don't
1: get renewed you, next year. <laughs> you
0: don't have one yet, but hopefully you'll get.
1: Five. I know. Okay. All
0: right. What member of the clash was fired from the band prior to recording the group's final record? Was it Paul Simonon? Mick Jones. Well, it was Mick Jones. Okay. So you didn't even have to get all the choices. No. Yes. Mick was fired. Yeah. So your your short-term memory is not that short-term.
1: <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> did you ever see a film called Hardcore Logo? No. I didn't either. So I have to say, <laughs> which, punk, <laughs> which punk legend did not appear in this film? Joey Ramone, Johnny Lydon, who was Johnny Rotten, of course, Art Bergman, or DOA? Hmm. Art Bergman. It was Johnny Lydon. Dang it. But hey, you've got one. You've got one (laughs) on your board, (laughs) okay? You can't get two unless you have one. Here we go. Now, do you, do you know Henry Roll- Rollins at all? Henry Rollins? Absolutely. Yeah? I do. Okay. So who did he replace as lead singer for Black Flag? He replaced Kira R- Rossler, Bill Stevenson, Ian McKay, or Des Cadena? Or Sadina Cadena? I don't know. Des Cadena? Hmm. Man. Man.
1: And I think I used to know this. W- what was the second one?
0: Uh, Bill Stevenson. Mm. No, but let's go with the first one. Kira. He actually replaced Dez, but I think Dez moved to a different instrument and just wasn't the lead singer anymore. Okay. Can't remember how that went. Yeah. So I'm going to give you, you know, I'm going to give you a smiley face for that because you didn't get it right. A smiley face for that you know, you <laughs> right, But, I, for that one. but I, I wrote a smiley face there. You, you kind of knew what you're talking about. So that's cool. Okay. The legendary Johnny Thunders was found dead on April 23rd, 1991. In which place? Marrakesh, New Orleans, Montreal, or Madrid? Dang it. New Orleans. It was New Orleans. See, you got another one. You got two. If you're going to die someplace. (laughs) Well. Some people were surprised that he lived as long as he did. I'm just saying. Well. Because Johnny Johnny Thunders was a wreck in progress. (laughs) Yeah. Boom, boom.
1: (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, well, counter, uh, counter trivia. Who else was found deceased on his tour bus in nineteen? Oh, I might be guessing here, but nineteen ninety three. I bet. Lead singer. I'll, i I'll, I'll, I'll give you a multiple choice. Oh my gosh! Oh
0: yeah. See, this, so is, now, not, this is not how trivia works. You don't get to ask me questions.
1: Exactly. So
0: (laughs) also in New Orleans,
1: on this tour of bus, we'll say 1990. Well, dang it. Yeah, I think it was 1993. So A, uh, we'll say uh, Axl Rose. (laughs) B, (laughs) Shannon Hoon. C, uh,
0: what is the dude's name? We'll just go with those two. <laughs> well, well, obviously it's Shannon Hoon, and I know that yeah. he he died yeah. of over, overdose. But Brian I didn't Melon realize it was in. A... Yep. it was. Yeah. It was.
1: He was on tour. They went to go wake him up for sound checking. And...
0: Yeah, hmm. he was in the video for uh, "Don't Cry." I know.
1: Right? Yep, and yep. that's in shortly after that. I think he passed away.
0: So. That's that was sad. I'm ready. All right, number six. What was the name of Billy Idol's band before he went solo? So he was a lead singer for a band. Yeah, it was either it's either like X or brand X, but i just if it's X. Well, I'm I'm sure. gonna give it to you, it's Generation X. Yeah. Generation X. Dang, nab it. But yeah. Yeah, say I didn't even have to give you choices though. You knew there was an X there. So okay. Yeah. You're up you're up to three plus three. a smiley face. <laughs> 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 Smiley face is good for
1: $2 off an appetizer mm-hmm.
0: Alright What is the name of the record label Founded by former Dead Kennedys Frontman Jello Biafra <sighs> It is know. either You want me to give you choices? Yeah <laughs> It's Alternative alternative Tentacles SST Sub Pop Or Revelation Records Hmm. I'm not.
1: I mean, I know the dead Kennedys. I'm going to go with the first one. Alternative
0: tentacles. Yeah, you're right. Wow. you're up to four. You're oh. up to four plus the smiley face. <laughs> That's a total guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sub Pop, I know from uh, Minneapolis. I think it was a it was a label that came. Or oh. no, was it what? Wa- or was it out in Washington? I'm trying to think of. Mm, probably, sub pop probably came out probably came out in the well. What well, we may have to check
1: on that because sub pop w- what was in the suburbs was it? This guy's from- no, I don't
0: think so. Anyway, okay, I believe you. Shane Ma- Shane McGowan fronted a punk band before joining the Pogues. What was the name of this band? You cut out now the Pogues. Yeah, the, okay. the Pogues I've heard of. Okay. What was he, who was he with? Right. before I'm ready. The Stranglers, the Nipple Erectors, the Anti Nowhere League, or Chelsea Stranglers. He was part of the Nipple Erectors. Dang it! Never have I heard of that. But, you <laughs> know, you're you are so close, and you still have two chances left to uh, to do this. I got a fifty. I only want I went five. I want five correct answers from you. The smiley face doesn't quite count. Nope. <laughs> it's just good for $2 off an appetizer. Dang it. Okay. So this godfather of punk music, his original name was James Osterberg. Okay. So one of these guys, his he was born James Osterberg. What? Mike Watt. Go
1: ahead. What? Do I get two points if I just blurt it out? But if I'm wrong, then we can keep going.
0: <laughs> well, you still get another choice, Iggy, yeah. Iggy Pop. It is Iggy Pop. Ooh. Gosh, you win. And now for bonus That's right. points. Bonus. <laughs> I'm going to give you a question that I didn't even know the answer to, and you oh. won't either. <laughs> yeah. But I... But at least, but at least you got four. Plus you got eight. five questions right, plus a happy face. See, that's so I, I doubled down <laughs> on,
1: that, on the on old James Osterberg because I knew that one. So all right, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes you you got a you got a five plus plus a plus a smiley face. face. All right, I'm ready. Yeah, so you already win. You already, you already win. So this is just gravy. What band most noted for their anthemic New York City? So they had a song called New York City. Okay. They were London, Ontario, and Canada. London, Ontario, Canada's greatest contribution to punk Ooh, rock. Well, I might know this. So they came from, they came from London, Ontario. Okay. I'm ready. The choices are the D Mix, D M E I C S, The Young Canadians, The Day Glow Abortions, or Sham
1: 69. Dang it. I was hoping you put the Flaming Lips in there, but... Uh, no,
0: they, they're they not from there. Yep. Well, let's go with the Shams. You know, I would have chose Sham 69, too, but it's actually the D-Mix. Wow. It's the first one. Yeah, I am not... Wow, I'm with you. But you know what? For something that I totally pulled on you out of the blue, and, and I, I gave you the five, you know, I, I thought if you got five, you'd be doing really well. That's true. But I'm going to give you, I'm giving you an extra credit for uh, guessing Iggy without even knowing the the choice. Yes. And then a smiley face for really working on the black flag. <laughs> you, <so> <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> you really worked it, kids. <laughs> so, hey, anybody listening, somebody out there, you can always go to songsyoushouldknow.com. Yes, sir. You can email me at jimbo at songs you should know.com. You can email the mix. <laughs> and it really doesn't matter how you spell it. Okay. So it can be M I C K. It can be M I X, but mixter at songs you should know.com. Or you can just go to the internet like the rest of us do.
1: That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> and kids don't forget about Wikipedia song facts. The entire internet, and we may have to cut this out. But let's vote for uh, web neutrality. Yes, <laughs> please, because yeah. oh otherwise, oh, you might not be able to hear us. You'd right. have
0: to, you'd <laughs> have to pay a subscription to somebody's internet provider to even get to our we website. Are, which right, is, just... we don't even get that money. So, <laughs> yeah, right, it wouldn't no. go to us. It's like
1: so. That's just <clears throat> it's silly. like paying child support. Oh, was that out loud? <laughs> Never mind uh. <laughs> Mom <laughs> uh, actually speaking of Mom, we'll be back with another episode because Mom, we haven't run out of songs yet. <laughs> <laughs>